Hi team, you're listening to Equally Lost, the weekly podcast on design, business and existential crises. My name is Elsa and here today with me is... Sophia. Hi Elsa, what's up? Nothing much. What about you? I mean, I do have stuff going on, I'm lying, but what about you? I would say the same. Um, so I'm in the middle of finals week and it's my last exams of my undergrad career ever. Uh, so I have two exams left. <laughs> And I'm fucked for the next one because it's in on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, and I have to study something like 12 chapters and I'm at chapter three. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we'll go through it. It happens. Um, it happens. Um, and yeah, like just part of me is just like giving up because, you know, it's the last ones. My GPA is what it is by now. So I'm not really too worried. And Yesterday, though, I went to a concert, which was an event. Oh, wow. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. What was it? So it's this thing called like Candlelight Concert. Um, I think it's uh, like around the world. So they did it in Milan. And basically they set up like this, the entire theater room with uh, candles. And then there's a, like, there's a piano pianist. And I went to see um, the covers of like movie, famous movie soundtracks played on piano. So we had, there was like Forrest Gump, um, Amelie by Jan Thiersen, um also Interstellar played on piano. <laughs> it, was really, it was cool. It was cool. Um, so yeah, that was like a nice highlight of the week to get away washing my hair after like seven days because, <laughs> <laughs> because with my cast, I can't really do that. So I just booked. I book like an appointment at the hairdresser, but obviously I can't go like every day to the hairdresser. So I just went, I just go once a week. And next week, hopefully they, I get my cast off. Um, and I really hope so. Like I'm getting like paranoid, like I'm getting paranoid about this um, because they, they're going to do the RX scan on me first to see if the bone is repaired. And then they're going to remove it. And I, I'm just having nightmare, nightmares of them telling me like, no, dude, you have to keep it on for another like week because it's not it's not fixed yet, and that would honestly fuck me up because then I would have like six days to write my dissertation. Oh wow! I mean, the sad thing is that like it might happen. Like bones are like that. Yeah, honestly, if it happens, like I think I would just you know take those extra two weeks to do my dissertation. And then graduate in September, whatever, like at this point, instead of trying to graduate by July. Um, but yeah, I hopefully I'm finishing all my exams this week. So looking forward to that. That's great. I'm at the middle of finals too. Or like, so I had my last class of junior year yesterday. And I am such a fucking nerd. Like it's embarrassing like I was sad that each of my classes ended like on on Thursday my research seminar for policy ended like basically it's literally a methods class it's like the driest fucking thing you can imagine but our group was so nice it was like 12 people it was these two professors and we'd like done so much together and I was sad when we left because they were like giving us like wise words one of them was like so one of the professors is a bit of a character but we like him and he was like you know like don't go to law school was his one like <laughs> like one wise word and I was like dude 
I don't need this today. Like, I don't need <laughs> you to like tell me what to do today. Like, uh, but yes, point being, after that, I was like sitting in the cafe in the student center and I was like working on a, on a paper that I have to do next week. And I was just very sad. And then I was also sad on Wednesday because my Russian class ended because I've been with this same class of people since literally my first day of college. <laughs> I'm not crying. I have something lodged in my throat, I promise. Um, and like the way it works at mid is that the you have like a Russian class like every single semester, right? Like it's a three-year sequence if you do the minor. And then after that, the only thing to do is like do a senior seminar, but like I'm not a major, so I'm not really doing that. And so my three-year endeavor of Russian has ended and we walked, to, it ended like very unceremoniously too. Like we sang like a karaoke song of a Russian song and then we just kind of left the lecture hall and we were like, wait, that was it? Like, this is it? Are you kidding? Mm. And it was sad, yes. Yeah, a bit underwhelming, but I mean, I, I could, I, I to already told you about my last day of undergrad, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we remember that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know what my last day of undergrad is going to be like, though. I mean, it's, it's going to be in one year. I'm so jealous of you that it's going to be in one year for you. If I'm, dude, okay, this is a whole conversation, right? <laughs> like, so also complete tangent I had other things that I wanted to say but um let's go with this one so it's like at the beginning of this year I have a lot of friends who are seniors who are like graduating right now and like less than a year ago so like in August I would hear them say like oh my god I am so ready to leave I want to get out of here I want to like do other things and I was like oh my god no I don't want to be with done with school ever I love school I don't want to leave and now fast forward a couple months or like almost a year but you know and I am starting to feel like I might be in that mindset as well I'm like kind of like I'm kind of getting to the point where I would really want to graduate and so I'm kind of jealous that you get to go and like work in August yeah the August is too soon to be to be age um because <laughs> uh you know uni here ends quite late like I'm like on the 28th god willing I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna finish all my exams and then um, my dissertation is to be submitted in mid-June so I'm still gonna be working on that until mid-June and so that leaves me with like one month and a half which is not too much um, but I can't wait to make quick. my own bread to be honest um, because I don't know I just I just think the entire like whole the whole like pandemic fatigue has made me has made me really don't want to like has made me really dislike the student life because um, I mean for you it's quite different because you live in a college so you you still have you know the campus life like what is changing for you as uh, you know people wear masks but if you're like in European University and everyone has his own flat and then school is online like unless you really force yourself to go and study in uni or like organize it actively you there are some weeks where like I see my friends like three four times a week but I, I would I was I was used to seeing them like every fucking day um and so it feels a bit I don't know like it doesn't doesn't feel lonely nor isolating because I am pretty good on my own and then I you know like 
yes, we don't have the, the, that like uni, uni banter as we used to do, but we would like go out at night anyways. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, I feel like your lifestyle doesn't change that much in a pandemic if you're working. Because you would still have those hours fixed for work. I mean, sure. Yeah, but the thing that I noticed with my mom who was like she's been remote since obviously March of 2020 and now I was like I don't know exactly what their setup is right now because I just haven't been home but like um over the winter when I was in Helsinki like she was remote and what I would notice is that like she just like doesn't stop working like yeah that's true like the the working hours like they come and go like in Finland that's usually like what like eight to four or something um like they start quite early but then she would just like keep working until the night and I mean she's always done that to a certain extent like always brought her work home because like you know kind of don't have an option sometimes but there is like a big problem I think with like having no separation between like work and home when you're yeah you know 100% because I mean because you're home you know you have like you know lunch break is you cooking yourself a meal so that gives you like the illusion of having more leisure but then, yeah, you, you never stopped. Yeah, that's true. That's something I, I noticed. Yeah. And I mean, like, I've noticed that like, you're completely right that, like, m- my lifestyle, like, I, again, I've said this before, I'm like, I'm super fortunate to be on campus, with def- which definitely is not the case for everyone who goes to college in the States. Like, but the m- vast majority of people have been remote all year. Um, and so, like, and also, like, I live in a house. I don't live in the dorms. Like we have a kitchen and we like have a living room and I can just kind of like walk out of my door and like there will be people there usually that I can hang out with and it's like it's very good. However, like I've also noticed the thing of like I cannot study in my room because like I've and, like I've had to like do classes in my room on Zoom because one of them is still like completely online um and like then I start studying at my desk and the next thing I know is that every time I come into my room I'm like stressed even though this is where I'm supposed to sleep and so the spatial distinction thing has really just like become even more important to me yeah I know I am that really resonates with me as well because first of all I am the kind of person that if I I always need to change the place where I'm studying because like somehow my brain has memory of me working hard in that place. So the following day, I'm going to be like, oh my God, no, like I'm doing too much. So that's one. And to me, the fact that like bars closed, et cetera, was horrendous. And thanks God the uni was open. <laughs> and like I lived, like, and I lived in university for like months because the idea of like just studying at my desk, it was just like, no, no thanks. And like I always study in the kitchen. I don't know why I have this thing of studying in the kitchen, like I in the living room. Um, yeah. And and yeah, so that's one. But in terms of, um, you know, the working hours, um, it's true. Like it's true that with working from home, yes, we have less, uh, less flexibility, but we're also way more overworked because there's less separation between, you know, home and work. Um, but, you know, with work, you have your time filled up by meetings, things, deadlines, etc. When you're a student, time, time expands and spreads out way more because you would have finals mid-semester or mid-term and then uh, you have some essays due, but like you technically can choose to do nothing for like three days in a row or weeks in t- like weeks even. 
uh, and just go to class and like enjoy being in university. And I think that has been completely stripped away by the pandemic. Yeah, oh, that's completely true. That's completely true. Um, I, yeah, when you said that like your work days are like felt by meetings, I got like a stress reaction because I hate having meetings all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. absolutely hate it. Like, please send me an email. Thanks. <laughs> but like, it's true though. Like, um, you definitely are the type of person that like, changes studies. But like, do you remember the coffee academics in in, in Hong Kong? <laughs> yeah, I've dreamed of it ever since I left Hong Kong. Like, I swear to God, is the thing I miss the most. Right. So for anyone who doesn't know, like, coffee academics is this place in Causeway Bay, in like the center of Hong Kong. I mean, it's not in central, but it's like you know, Causeway Bay is like very touristy, but it's like a very very nice spot and they have like just amazing coffee I was I do like I was there two years ago like when I did my like ugh, my spring Your break solo trip, yeah. my solo th- oh my god I was that I re- literally I think went like four or five times and and I I can't believe it was two years ago time is a joke it feels like it was yesterday that was really two years ago. Oh my god! That was, that was literally two years. It was my freshman year. Yeah. No. Yeah. Same. I, ha- I had a point as well to make, but I completely forgot. Um, Why am I blank? I was just I was just daydreaming about coffee academics. Like, right? I I, I think I can just like vividly remember like the sound of the coffee machine, and you know like the clattering of the dishes, yeah. and, and the, the f- and the flat white is the, the some that was some tick flat white like it was wonderful and like yeah. the acai bowl and you'd sit like at the th- I'd sit at do you remember there's like that kind of like bar part like not inside but like mm-hmm. that's like in front of the window and they like open the yeah. window so you're basically just like staring out at the street yeah, yeah I, I would sit there, there. too oh, yeah God. and the thing is like so I think the reason why I'm remembering this so vividly right now is because it's ridiculously hot in Vermont right now. Like, it's that kind of hot where the air is just, like, standing. Mm. Like, it's just, like, yes. It's not humid, though. People are complaining about it being humid. It's really not. But yesterday night, so my friend turned 21 um, a couple of days ago, and we walked to this place called Mr. Ups, which is, like, it's, like, a very... It's not fancy at all. There were like plastic chairs in the, in the terrace, but like it was a very, like a weirdly like European setting where like you're on the patio and there's like water there and there's like lights and you're sitting on the plastic chairs and it's hot and it's like kind of humid. And I was telling them that like, if we disregard the fact that we're in the middle of the forest and that there's like a river and you just look at the patio, we could have easily been like Spain. And it was crazy because we're like butt fuck Vermont. <laughs> Should I talk about my don't even get me started? Wait, I wanted to give an update on Samantha Power. <laughs> go, go on, go on. So last week we talked about Samantha Power's memoir, and mm-hmm. you told me to anticipate some things, and I have been devouring this fucking book. I am so into it. And you know. So I don't know if I've gotten it, like everything that I wanted to get. Like, I don't think she's like really getting into, like she, they're talking about Syria right now. And uh, I really don't know if she's like getting quite into the nitty gritty of it um, as much as I would want, but maybe that's just 
me being a foreign policy nerd and her writing this to a person who might not be like it's like not supposed to be a foreign policy book it's a memoir right so like we can excuse that but I love the scene where she's like she was nominated to be the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and um, and of course she has to go through a Senate hearing and she she um, assembles like the I forget what she calls it like the murder board or something where she has like her friends and her husband come and like pretend like that the like like they're the meanest senators that you could imagine mm-hmm. and they like grill her and she's doing horribly um, and then like she like I guess she like learns to like play the game of the senate hearing over that scene and you could just sense the frustration yeah no that's fun um yeah that's fun also uh, wait are you at the part where she's pregnant already uh she was so rihanna's already born okay yeah because i also really like the part where um she's like working in the white house and breastfeeding in between yeah <laughs> when we like obama i think is telling her like oh yeah you know um i went through it you know kind of stuff like that um i really like that scene yeah yeah where she's like running from her office building across like the white house lawn and like unbuttoning her blouse as she's <laughs> running <laughs> yeah it's really good yeah so like also the thing that i said last sem- last semester my god like last time why do why does my brain always default to saying last semester anyway last time I was talking about how like I relate to her in some way and I can't pinpoint what it is and the thing I've realized is that I don't relate to her because we're necessarily all that similar I relate to her because she reminds me of my mom <laughs> yeah 100% 100% that's also why I like the book like she reminds me a lot of my mom too yeah like working mom workaholic yeah Yeah, 100% and I also really appreciate how like she's um obviously Sheryl Sandberg's book that we've talked about on this pod before isn't a memoir per se like it's kind of like a career development book that's Mm -hmm. structured around Sheryl Sandberg's own career so it's very Mm -hmm. different but like I think if you look at Samantha Powers, she's so much more comfortable with like documenting her own frustration. Like things that she did really bad. Like, oh my God, this was so funny. When she went to present her credentials to Ban Ki-moon, the secretary general of the UN, and she wore that sundress. Like she looked like she'd walked into the ceremony from the pool. That was so funny. Like, (laughs) this was her picture in the book. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, like the the striped dress, yeah. And so like stuff like that, like it like she's very normal, I guess. Yeah, I think like she's goofy, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like she's a total clown. And she's yeah, yeah. like a badass foreign policy person, but she's also a clown, which I think is very validating. <laughs> yeah, I think what I like like what I although I really like Sheryl Sandberg as well I think I like um you know Samantha Powers like openness um more and like you know goofiness more because um Sheryl Sandberg like teaches you really valuable lessons but the bottom line is I have set up the system this is why it works and this is why I'm successful 
Whereas, you know, um, Samantha shows you also like the human side of her. She, like she shows herself like in the whole roundedness of human flaws and, you know, navigating through unbelievable and like unbelievable tasks and like impossible jobs that she has. Um, yeah. And yeah, I like it. Yeah, you know, Sheryl Sandberg is kind of like, I think the way that I would characterize the difference is that Sheryl Sandberg is like girl boss goofy mm. and like sanitized goofy, like perfumed goofy. And Samantha Power is like actually goofy and like very genuine. Not to say that like Sheryl Sandberg is fake, but it's like, you know, it's a very thoroughly like manicured book. Um, and I mean, like she's in a very, very public role. Um and like representing Facebook to a certain extent in the book as well. Like she talks about Facebook all the time. Um, but, um, and another way to say that is that like Sheryl Sandberg's book is like when in an interview, the interview asks you for your biggest flaw and you say perfectionism. Like that's Sheryl Sandberg's book, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get I get what you're saying, but I think it also boils down to what you said earlier about the fact you know one book is a career development guide, the other one is a memoir. So yeah, and like yeah. she, I think Samantha can afford to be to show herself as goofy now, exactly because she's not in those roles anymore. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's like. I don't know there's like so many kind of like vivid scenes in that in that book like I really love the way that she describes her relationship to her husband like Cass Sunstein feels like Cass Sunstein seems like the type of guy that you really want to marry like moves with his wife up from DC to New York um and like does all the things um and uh I don't know what was going with that but because when they move into the ambassador's apartment in New York and it's like a suite in the world of Astoria and they walk in and they're like oh it's like a nine bedroom five bath house a penthouse and instead of like you know immediately adapting to that lifestyle I guess they like start running up and down the hall like racing each other up up and down the hall and then they get like Sichuan Chinese food from a takeout menu like I I that's like very poetic yeah no that's really cute yeah it's a couple of goals um yeah yeah so yes um we're going forward with the book I'm excited to see what she has to say about the Trump administration and yeah okay one spoiler is for you um please well, don't we'll talk about it next time Mm, so is it time for the don't even get me started absolutely okay it's the stupidest shit on earth (laughs) 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 um i literally spied my week preparing for this final that i had on friday and it was an oral examination because obviously as i broke my 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 arm i can't write shit not even on a keyboard um and, you know, the uni was only giving me, like, 15 minutes extra than others. And I'm like, dude, it takes me 15 minutes to write an email. So uh, I was like, okay, let's do an oral examination. And and so I started, like, super hard. And it was like, um, the course was called History of Political Institutions. So I was like, okay, you know what? Um, it's been a heavy week for all of us. 
Um, also been following uh, following up the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I thought I would consume content that is more lightweight. And so what do you do when you want something more lightweight? You read The New Yorker. <laughs> and, no, I, I love The New Yorker. I, I honestly love it. Um, and so there's this really funny article that's called wait let me, let me find it an introduction to asshole cat behaviors oh. <laughs> and it's basically <laughs> an entire article about you know like the um, the writers um the writers uh, tom Popper's cat um and how like his change is messing up with his life like changing his password messing with the scale canceling the shows um not inviting him to anything ever and let me just read the first line because I, I just found it really funny um so it goes they say that if left alone with your dead body your cat will your cat will eat you i know mine would not because he's artless but because cats are practical and if i don't appear up to the task of feeding him it'll simply fend for himself <laughs> and then <laughs> and another funny part was um you know, cats, so it basically writes these paragraphs and then the last one is, is they won't invite you to anything ever with they, meaning cats. And then it's like, cats do stuff. They go places, enjoy art and work on puzzles. They have parties under the comforters, sleepovers in the den and tanning sessions on the floor. Have they ever once asked you to join? No. And don't confuse the demands for pets as invitations. They're not. It's <laughs> 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 really funny. Yeah, I love that's like a that's exactly how I imagine cats being. Do you also yeah. imagine all cats as Russian? No. No? As Italian? No, I, no, I imagine them as assholes to be age, but no, I don't give them a nationality. <laughs> I Me, all cats do, are Russian. I used to do this thing where we like match a cat I know with a painter. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like those, um, like those Persian cats with them. Um, yeah um, we like squared like squared features yeah. like i would call them like matisse or i don't know something <laughs> like that and then isn't the isn't isn't the persian a bit more of a monet hmm. to me it's a bit more of a monet i don't know i see opinions differ. opinions differ i love that yeah. that's really funny i was watching um so Remember when we were talking about alternative investments? So mm-hmm. I, um, you know, when I was very bored and I wanted to do nothing, I watched an old uh, Sotheby's um, evening auction. Not in like, oh, which Picasso am I going to bid on today way? Like, obviously not. Like, in a, in a this is really interesting. Um, and... Um, I think there's an interesting thing that happens when you've watched that kind of auction for like an hour because they last for like two usually. Um, at some point, because you get so like like embedded in like the moment, you get so like desensitized to the numbers that like when something sells for like two million dollars, you're like, that's so cheap. Like why, like why aren't you going <laughs> higher? <laughs> You know, like, why are you being cheap? Why would you go for that? <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Yeah. 
But talking about art, um, I don't know if you've been following it recently, you know, like this thing about NFTs, like non-fungible tokens. Oh, and, yes, my God. <laughs> and selling like, you know, like the... Don't even the get meme me started. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like the meme girl, um, the one with the with like the small with the small blonde girl and then there's like there's a house of fire in the background i think she just sold an nft uh for like some millions or something and one i was wondering what do you think of this do you think that's art um so i have some opinions not necessarily about being whether it's art or not um i think there are more qualified people to talk about that um i read those stories what is art and i still don't have an answer to what is art i have more questions he spends like 30 pages talking about like what it means for something to be beautiful and comes to no conclusion anyway um sounds but... like a waste of time <laughs> it was interesting though i mean like it's really no, 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 like, it's, course, like it's guys. yeah no it's i mean it's really stupid like there's like it it yeah you have to be like i was reading it freshman year when i was in new york um and I felt like very because uh, I was like spending like three days with the Met anyway that was like the the character that was playing in freshman year but um <laughs> NFTs I don't have an opinion about whether or not it's art I have opinions about NFTs in general which is that like I know that they've been a thing for quite a while um mm-hmm. and have like only now become more mainstream and the thing is mm-hmm. when I was first sort of like introduced to the technology behind it you know like blockchain everything when I was like first introduced the concept of what an nft is um I was I I thought it was like actually kind of great because like my intuition was that finally there is a way for people whose art and whose you know you know like products I guess like are mainly in digital form they're mainly on the internet for them to enforce like copyright law for example for them to like make money off of their creations because like if you for example like are an artist and you post something on like even a platform like um society six or something where you're supposed to make money off of it people can literally like save the the png and like print it out on a poster and like Mm -hmm. stuff like that happens all the time with like blockchain you can track who's bought it and you can still make money off of it when it's left your hands so i thought like the intuition was great However, then the entire thing shattered for me when the New York Times posted this article about like how an artist had realized that his one NFT used up more energy in like some small amount of time. I don't remember what the unit was, let's say like a day than his entire studio space does in a year. And I was like, holy shit, right? Because like, there is this misconception I think maybe and maybe this is something that like tech companies perpetrate I'm not sure that like the cloud is nothing material that when you say something to a cloud it's just like up in the air that's like what the name implies right or that like the internet is just like particles in the air like none of that is true of course like all of these technologies take up physical space like there is like there are wires at the bottom of the ocean that like give you internet and there are like massive computers underwater as well that store all of your data and that run Facebook that run Instagram and so it makes sense that if you like start um, creating NFTs, those things also need to be like stored and run on a computer, and it's super unsustainable. 
Yeah, no. Um, I mean, the concerns about blockchain, blockchain technology using up a significant amount of energy um, is is real. I I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I I agree with both of your points. Like, to be honest, I don't know much about uh, blockchain, cryptos, and stuff like that. Um, besides what I read, like on the news. Um, but yeah, in terms of artists and like validating artists' work. I think it's a yeah, it's a really good good way in an era where you know we use a lot of visual art. That that's that's always you know that's often you know exhibited online. Um, but I think yeah, I think it would be it only applies to visual art if you think about it. Like it doesn't apply to like sculpture or performance art unless you take like a picture of a sculpture and then you make it an NFT and then you destroy the sculpture um but yeah so what do you think about what do you think about your initial question of like is that art is posting memes as NFTs art I don't know because I I have a controversial opinion about it because I also had a discussion when my airpods fell. <laughs> also had a, a discussion about it with uh, a friend of mine that was, you know, she was saying that it's not really art because you can't really expose it. You know, like if you buy, like if you buy art for the aesthetic purpose of seeing, like seeing that art, like, you know, going to a museum and ad- admiring a painting, you don't really get that with an NFT because it's a file. So um, that's, that's what she's arguing, what, what she was arguing. And um, and then, for example, I think like, and I don't think that's necessarily true, like, because I, I'm a believer that art is literally anything from like the way your messy clothes lay on the bed to, um, to, I don't know, Mona Lisa, but, um, you know, like think about the meme being sold as an NFC. I mean, I think there's also an element of craze and like trend behind it that justifies it as hard because I mean memes were an internet thing and like you could you could argue that they are an artistic mean of expression like they definitely are like they are humorous and like, it's like having comic strips that you used to read a newspaper but now you have them online um but yeah no but I think like it's sold for like an amount of money that's crazy like it's it's selling um I don't know like my first my very very first reaction was I mean, you saw the meme and it, it has this much value because it's an, NF- an NFT, not because of the meme per se, you know? Yeah. Um, we did answer my question whether it is art they or are. not. They are? You know, to me, I think they are. Okay. Yeah, they're like a different way of, of art, but yeah. Also, okay. Emily Ratajkowski, she sold her a picture of herself as an, as an NFT, as a way to like claim herself back. I didn't look too much into it, but okay. Didn't. Well, Ambrata is 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 crazy, but if I was Amra- if I looked like Amrata, I would also sell NFTs of myself. Yeah, so, same. <laughs> so, so call her stupid, you know, man. Yeah, <laughs> but um, okay. Amrata is not crazy. She's just said some things that are like really questionable, not in like a problematic way, just in like a what are you thinking, girl? But let's get back to that. But um, well, are you referencing to this the stuff she said about like her child? Yes. 
100 oh, percent. yeah, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> like, i was like what <laughs> that was so weird we can wait we can put a pin in that but so um two things i'll say about what you just said so your friend saying that like oh because it's a file you can't like put it in an exhibit i get it but also like if that's like your standard then you could say like that like paintings that are in private collections somewhere in like a basement aren't art because they're not being exhibited no one's seeing them like that just kind of doesn't it kind of like doesn't add up um you know because like Mm -hmm. you can still you can print the file technically you can like have it on a screen like it doesn't yeah no i agree with you um i mean just no i'm just like yeah it doesn't it doesn't necessarily also have to be a painting like if you think about breaking bags so many people had them in their vaults. Yeah. I wish I had one, but like, so many people had them in their vaults, and they just keep them there because of the like the store of value. So I mean, in that case, I would say you're buying art not because of the aesthetic pleasure of art, but you're buying it because art is a store of value. Yeah, um, exactly. Like people like owning it because yeah, exactly. But what um, I was uh, actually like, sorry, what I was actually telling her was um because I don't really know how the technology works, but. What makes me a bit skeptical about producing art on NFT is that assuming that you can get the code, it's very easy to standardize art. Like it's very easy to replicate it if you get the code. What do you mean? You get the line of if you get the line of code and write it exactly, you can replicate the art way more easily than replicating a painting. Like if you think about the original Mona Lisa and then a copy of the Mona Lisa, they will look the same because they're representing the same the same object, but mm-hmm. they will never be done in the same way because nobody knows what Leonardo da Vinci, like what was the first brush stroke that he did and like the layers and how he mixed up the colors, blah, blah, blah. Well, whilst with like digital art, I think you have that kind of issue of like it's way easier to replicate it and to manipulate it and make it more identical, which is also, I think, one of the reasons why it's very easy to steal art on the internet because you can just save it. Or you can, okay. like, if I see, like, a nice poster in Society6, I can just go on Canva and make it similar. Right, okay. So the thing is, like, I mean, you don't produce art on, like, as an NFT, like, on NFT no, no, per you, se. Like, you don't, no, like, no, write you code. Do, you, yeah, no, you, you do the NFT art and then you make of, an NFT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, like, the thing with, like, blockchain is that it, like, and this is not, like, I am, I'm not an expert on this, but this is, like, my, like, non-expert way of explaining this, is that, like, when you make, like, when you make an NFT, like, the blockchain technology makes it so that, like, in the code, there is something that, like, there's, like, I don't know how to explain this, like, there's like a part of the code that's tracked whenever it like changes owners Mm -hmm. and that's like all publicly available information Mm -hmm. so you can't just like like the thing is like you can always take a screenshot of something obviously like it doesn't like make that go away but you can't like download the file let's Mm -hmm. say like it will always track like who owns it yeah and therefore it's like much easier to limit who uses it and who could profit off of it than for example having something on society six i did not do a good job of explaining that but it's like 
like I think the thing that you're talking about is much more like an inherent problem of digital art than it is of NFTs. Yeah, no, no, true. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say that oh about the like the the meme thing. So this is the thing. Is like I don't think memes make good money as NFTs because they're art and they're like um like therefore valuable. I think NFT memes as NFTs make money because it being an NFT is a meme itself. Like it is a meme to buy a meme as an NFT. Explain. Like, for example, like NFTs have become a meme, I think. Like they're Why like a tech. They? Hmm? Why would they like, be? I know, like, like, the, like, the, the concept of an NFT is a meme. Like it's a funny thing. It's like a tech bro meme, you know? I don't know. I live with like three econ bros. I think this is why I might like think of it that way. But like we joke about like, oh, like I'll make an NFT of that, like that type of deal. So like, I am, yeah, okay, it's yeah. in that sense, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. It's okay, become yeah, like a that. thing in public tr- discourse. It's like become a thing in public discourse that's like, like people don't entirely understand, and it's a new thing, and it's like therefore exciting, and it's a meme. Um, and so then you know, if you think about like, for example, the New York Times um, journalist who wrote his first. Um, wrote his first article on NFTs, took a screenshot of that article, sold it as an NFT, and it sold for like a million dollars or something, seven hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And like, the reason people bid on that type of thing is not because they see any kind of like intrinsic value in a screenshot of a New York Times article that you can read for free, or you can read for some like negligible amount of money if you're a subscriber to the New York Times. Is that it's like meta to have an nft yeah you want to buy into article that. yeah of yeah course. yeah it's like yeah, meta no. to have like an nft of an article describing an nft it's like a me it's like you know what i'm saying like yeah that's the that's, whole thing um, is a meme yeah that ties back to what i was saying earlier like i like my first reaction when i saw it is it wasn't like, oh, what a cool way to like sell memes on NFT and like, um, you know, memes as a form of art was just that people are getting on the trend, like people are getting on the train of the NFT craze and they're going to try to sell whatever they can sell because people want the NFT regardless of what's inside of it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And like the, I think if I'm, this was a while ago that it was on the daily, but if I remember correctly, the, the, the people who bought the screenshot of the New York Times article as an NFT. It wasn't like a private person. It was some like group in Dubai that are trying to like curate a collection of NFTs and they have like no better way of like spending their money basically. Like it's a it's a joke to them as well. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly that, like you're buying into a craze. Do you think yeah. it will last? I think blockchain technology is here to stay because it has been um here for a while already like in cryptocurrency and stuff like that and there are like again as i said like there are like i think the intuition behind it is good i mean like the intuition behind um like the first thing i think about is like dogecoin which like don't even get me started but um (laughs) like bitcoin for example like the intuition was to democratize finance to like have this thing where like the, the the value of it isn't set by some like central bank and I think that's like I see the, like I can see like the benefit of that. 
so I think like blockchain is here to stay for sure I think nfts right now are a meme and have such limited utility that I don't really see them becoming like a staple form of investment okay I have two points on what you just said so one is about you know um, I definitely think like blockchain is here to stay and I definitely think that it's also been an evolving technology as as we've seen through time one could dare to make the parallel of like coal as an energy fuel like coal used to be super fucking polluting and then you switch to oil which is also polluting but I mean less polluting than coal and then now you have blockchain which is very polluting but I think if it keeps moving forward it, I hope it will like um, modernize and develop to the extent that it's also going to be more energy saving um Actually, I have three points. The second point about Bitcoin, I agree, like the thing about democratizing finance, and I think it, it would have incredible, incredible applications to developing countries' finance and like developing capital markets in developing countries. Um, and But, you know, um, I think one, one thing people forget about Bitcoin in particular, and I'm just talking about Bitcoin, is that there's a set number of bitcoins that can be mined and i wonder what's going to happen when we reach that plateau and you you can't have any more of them being issued are they all issued already like that's no, no, the no, reason no. why it's like that not yet not yet like i think we i think we are reaching the the capacity like the full capacity but not all of them have been issued yet okay because i thought that was the reason why they've gone up so much over the past couple of years but no. no, they no, they just gone up because like people started buying that, but no. Mm. And your third point. Third point. Oh yeah, NFTs. Um, I think it ties to what you said about copyright law. Like, I think it's a good instrument to overcome that. But I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that we want, like, we would have, like, we have technology enforcing laws and not laws directly enfor- enforcing themselves. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Don't, don't even fucking get me started like do you ever think about how scary it is that the people who for example in the states like in the united states of america where like the big technology oligarchs have their headquarters um that the lawmakers in congress are like 65 year old guys who have no expertise in this and they're like expected to regulate this thing like how scary is that no and how scary it is to also demand these big firms to do policy on freedom of speech like yeah i understand the need of you know having to control the internet of course but you can't let a private firm do that like it, it has i think both the the legislation and the firm have to work together. You can just push that responsibility onto one single person's shoulders. Yeah, and I mean, like, oh, did you did you did you read about the the newest developments in the Apple Facebook feud? No, feud? what happened? Actually, I'm so, not up to date with that. So, <laughs> this was so funny. Well, like, it's like this is better than like any other reality television, right? So, um, um, Apple and Facebook's relationship has um become quite rocky um after tim cook took took over as the ceo of apple and so now you know apple has been very very adamant 
about the fact that they think individual privacy is very important. They don't think that individual people's data should be sold or should be collected to the extent that it is right now. And they just like don't, that just like doesn't really align with their values. Also important to notice that their business model also doesn't rely on them mining people's data. Like they sell hardware so they can like reach their profit margins um, without selling people's data, right? Um, Facebook, not so much because like obviously their entire business model relies on them selling ads, like selling, um, like getting paid based on ad views. And so that's like the initial tension here. And the, the, the thing that happened was that Apple announced that in its newest update, it is going to prompt you to select whether or not you allow apps to track you across different apps, whether you allow apps to collect data about you. And like, like just like 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 if you're prompted with that option like who's gonna be like yes i want instagram to see what i google and what i'm looking for on twitter like what the hell like obviously people are gonna say no and apple i'm sorry no facebook of course that relies on apple's hardware a lot to you know like just get its users on its apps to for its users to use its apps um was like oh my god what the fuck Oh my god! What the hell? What? What? Like, like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, our entire business model like relies on this shit. Like, we're gonna lose all of our customers. <laughs> and so then, what they did was that Facebook instead started like arguing that you know to save its own ass, started arguing that oh, but like you know, small businesses in America and across the world rely on targeted ads to reach customers. Like, they are gonna lose revenue. And like, uh, and um, it's. It is really entertaining, especially when I mean, <laughs> the hypocrisy, man. Yeah, <laughs> small businesses, you never cared. <laughs> like, yeah, the, you like... literally never cared. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, but also, um, I you know, um, I was reading this summer, like when a uh, TikTok was like rising, um, among the population. That one of the reasons why it was so controversial and debated. Um, was because it was a way another way of advertising and a really effective one um and and you know that clash we know with the old establishment model of advertising of uh, facebook um so yeah that's interesting but man, yeah we get thrown so much shit like so much shit and like in this and this past days like i've been using instagram too way too much um and like the amount of like of stuff that I'm shown and I'm like advertised is insane. Like it's thrown at my face all the fucking time. Like all the fucking time. I'm really, really tempted of deleting myself from Instagram. Oh yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about like your summer plans. We got very far from that, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but wait, so before we go to that, I do really want to talk about that because I think digital media is going to be a part of or like the lack of that is going to be a part of my summer plan. But one last thing about Facebook um, is that like, because you were saying like, how fucking scary is that? Is it that we're requiring private companies to make like basically litigate on, on freedom of speech? Um, and it is really scary. And I don't know if you, you've read the thing about Facebook's oversight committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That, that, it's fucked up. It is fucked up. Yeah, no, I think um, with the oversight committee, um, I also watched videos of it. 
like I think you know they're all I'm not trying to defend Facebook whatsoever but Joel try to you know find that one person that's guilty when it's the entire system that needs to be completely reevaluated. and yeah right I don't know I mean like I guess like having that kind of like semi-independent quasi-independent oversight committee if like if, if our listeners don't know what it is we'll link some articles about it below um I don't really know how to explain it but they're basically like Facebook made the decision of banning um Donald Trump off of its platforms obviously um and then that was supposed to be temporary and then um they had to decide whether they were going to have him come back like whether it was going to be a permanent ban and instead of making that call themselves they decided to assemble this quasi-independent um I say quasi-independent um because I don't think there's like I, I don't think there's a way of ensuring that they're actually not you know like in any way dependent on Facebook as a company but um, this oversight committee com- comprised of like lawyers and experts and like you know like all sorts of important people who are experienced in this field and they had them review um, cases of um, d- like cases where people's posts has been um, deleted off of Facebook and where people had been banned and it wasn't just Donald Trump it was also just people who were accused of like person like white supremacist content for example um yeah, or and like then, child porn yeah yeah and so like all sorts of things and so like um what ended up happening is like basically the oversight committee just like kind of pushed the choice of that back onto facebook the company which completely defeats the purpose of having it in the first place 100%. fucked up fucked up dude fucked up. <laughs> like do fucked i th- up, dude. Do I want to like adamantly have Donald Trump back on social media? No, like for example, with Twitter, like he obviously broke their terms and conditions. And as a private company, I think Twitter does have the right to ban him off of that. But if we're talking about something like, like if if you think about this issue, just like on a macro level, as you said, it's really fucked up to have private companies make such like vast decisions over like what people can say and where they can say it. Donald Trump is a bad example because he was like such like he was such a pain to have there and he incited a little capital riot but yeah if you zoom out of that individual case it's really bad yeah and also because one thing that really scares me about it is not just the fact that the private companies substituting the role to legislation but these kind of demands that we have from private companies like I agree with you know keeping them more accountable but they are reacting to short-term scandals, like to short-term crises. But the role of the law, from what I studied, <laughs> like, is to legislate for the long term. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so, like, you need to have a long-term framework in mind, which is not something we have. Like, we have this like chain of responses that don't really address the problem overall. Absolutely. That's yeah, one hundred percent. Um, and that's like incidentally like one of the things that I think really um, makes me want to go to law school is not in terms of tech law necessarily I think it's super interesting but um, just in terms of the ways that we think about global trade and we think about global migration and um, just like any kind of cross-border activity like 
our laws or like the way that we think about the law is still very much central is like centered on the nation state when that's not necessarily the way that people think anymore like i think people are more and more moving toward thinking in transnational ways like then the the nation state border is not where your activity ends mm -hmm. um and i think there's like a lot of work to be done to just enhance global connectivity i agree so what are your summer plans what are my summer plans i'm so glad you asked <laughs> um so um right now we're, it's, it's saturday we're recording this on a saturday and my final paper which is on i have to write policy recommendations for the un on how to handle vaccine distributions or like that's the angle that i'm taking on the COVID crisis and it's very interesting i'm reading about compulsory licensing for example and it's like it's um super interesting but um that's due on wednesday and then on thursday i am driving to boston with my friend and then i'm catching a flight and then i'll be in helsinki on friday and then i'm gonna turn off my fucking phone for like a week <laughs> love it yeah um i think on sunday my mum and i are gonna have brunch because um why not i think <laughs> restaurants are starting to be open in helsinki and we're both vaccinated which is great and then i have my first tennis class on monday like the the monday after i get to helsinki and i'm really excited about that and then we're gonna drive out of the city my mum has been doing some landscaping and she's been sending me pictures of that on, on whatsapp uh, <laughs> so we're driving to the west coast where like my mum's side of the family is from and then i'll start work which I'm also really excited about, but I'm trying to like just enjoy the 10 days of holiday that I have. What about you? Yeah, no, honestly, relax as much as you can. Yeah. Um, don't stress out, you'll figure it out as you go. Um, so for me, <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm just looking forward to for next week to end. I, I, actually, for Friday to come, because on Saturday, Sunday, I just, I wanna, I honestly am thinking of catching a train going somewhere where the sea is and chill there for like the entire day whether I'm going alone or with friends I am fucking going like I don't care bring a like, book go alone yeah 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 I'm thinking of doing that absolutely um and then my plan is um to you know write my dissertation and I just want to do the anchor phase because I I couldn't do it like because of the arm because it's it's I can't really lift weight and my my laptop is heavy after a while to lift and it's just not convenient like if I take transportation it's just like a mess um so I've been studying at home mostly or like with friends so I want to go to a fucking cafe alone and write my shit and then listen to good music and like sip cappuccino and just sit there all the fucking day um so that's what i'm really looking forward to but in terms of my summer plans they're really not defined at all um i think i'm gonna stay in italy and i'm organizing like going around italy a bit i just want to chill like i just want to chill the fuck out as much as possible and so um, i am i'm definitely like we have to book but i'm probably going to valencia with some of um with some of my friends from uni uh, mid July and then other than that I just want to get tanned like I just yeah. want to get a tan <laughs> like that's what I want to do like um and so yeah I think I'm gonna go to the seaside um it's it's a bit of a mess because we are renovating in my 
each house so i don't think we even have a kitchen anymore but as long as there's a bed or some something to sleep on the floor with i think i'm gonna go there and have fun um also because my flatmates are from my the the place where I, the town i go to for my seats for for the seaside so i'm really excited of going with them um you know just to see how they how they move around how they you know how the locals do it um, although I have like local friends there, but you know, just different vibe. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I, I just really, I just really crave like traveling. Like I really crave going to an island somewhere. Um, so I think I want to try and organize uh, going to Sicily or going to um, I don't know some some island in Italy and um, and then yeah, I, I just crave like doing something alone for myself also because all these weeks I've been relying on friends like for you know just you know help me open this like jar or or mm-hmm. do this kind of stuff and I just want to be like fully independent again although I managed to learn how to fucking hook my bra with my left hand alone wow yeah that's that's some skills that's queen some shit skills. <laughs> yeah queen shit dude like so I don't think it's gonna happen this summer but um i want you to take me to sicily like when i graduate i also like, take gonna... scooter lessons in the meantime so we don't fire our asses <laughs> and break our <laughs> i'm so glad but honestly i can drive though i can drive so it's fine yeah no i want us to go i want to go and i want to yeah it's gonna happen we put yes if we do it next summer after i graduate as like my 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 little grad trip then Oh, absolutely. Actually, I wanted to go to Uzbekistan. I want to go to Tashkent, but I need someone to go with me. And I, I, I will. I will. You will? <laughs> yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Dude, first of all, we're supposed, we have supposed to go, like, we're supposed to go, we were supposed to go to Singapore together. So yes, that's something we, we also need to catch up on. That's on the, yes, that's on the list. But I think even before Singapore, I think higher on the list is I want to go to Central Asia. Like we should do like 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 fly to Nur Sultan in Kazakhstan and like make our way down from there. Yeah, we can do it. I'm down. Oh my god, dude! I'm gonna send you so many links. It's <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's amazing. Anyway, so if we do that next summer, then it will have been literally two fucking years that we've been talking about traveling and then COVID happened and then we've just kind of been like sitting here. And like seeing each other, like traveling together. Oh my God. <laughs> Catch equally lost from Uzbekistan. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um, my other summer plans is that when I start work, I'm very excited about that. I think it's going to be good. But at the same time, dude, I was telling you about this. I'm fucking scared because my LSAT schedule is like very rigid. Like I have to study. I have to study like half an hour to an hour, six times a week to get through the material that I have to go through. Because when I come back for school, I don't want to have to like deal with the prep books anymore. I just want to do like practice tests mm-hmm. and um i'm it's okay you know this already. you're gonna hold yourself accountable if you don't i, I will. will thank you so much <laughs> no that's like literally like so much of it is just like not thinking about it too much and just like sitting your ass down and just doing it like there's just like no option 
and because like like if it was just my GPA like if I only had if there weren't like any standards tests to apply to law school then I like I wouldn't even be worried like now I just need to I have like that done I have like the GPA part down and now I need to just like really just like, get in the zone yeah bite my tongue get into the zone and just do this outside thing I like just I, I don't like standardized tests we've talked about this before I don't think they say anything about you not that like grades determine how intelligent you are generally but like I think with like uni grades when you're like doing shit like writing papers and like doing presentations it's like much more multifaceted like you have a lot more space to like show who you are and how you think um mm-hmm. but with like standardized testing it's just like you need to play the game and that's all and if I have to do it one more time, that's fine. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I've been going through a lot of like cycles of self-doubt where like one day, or, like one moment I'll be like, oh, like I have, there is like no reason why I wouldn't get into law school. Like I have a good reason to go to law school. I have like, I have like consistent interests that I've pursued. I have like, you know, I'm not just going to law school because I don't know what else to do with a policy degree you know that's a lot of people sadly but Mm -hmm. um and then they just like don't end up enjoying it and end up in debt doing a job that they don't enjoy and that's sad but like I have that down like if it's just my stats like I should be fine but then I like circle back to like oh my god like I am like such a fucking fraud like I don't I'm not gonna get in I'm never gonna get in I'm like dumb and stupid and like it just feels impossible and then you go back to thinking that you're the shit yeah (laughs) I mean I would say that it would be unnatural otherwise and you know I think just uh, the pressure getting in is because you're probably stressed about this outside thing and once you get that out of the way then it's said it's all a matter of like sending things and you know getting getting lucky as well um that's the thing yeah like I think I think law school admissions are like I'm talking about the states um I think law school admissions are in a sense like better than undergrad admissions like undergrad admissions two years colleges are just like it's, it's the fucking hunger games like it's like it's completely dependent on like who reads it there's so much luck involved you're just kind of like writing about like there's so much like trauma porn in the common app you know like you have to mm-hmm. write about like really hard things in your life to like prove that you're like resilient or some shit like but we're past that we don't need to think about that with law school is that like you're first of all you're four years older which makes a whole lot of difference I'm probably going to be like I'm, I'm taking two years off in between so I'm going to be what like 24 when I apply which compared to 17 that's like again that, that makes a world of a difference and not only that, you're also applying to like a specialized graduate program. Yeah, I was so about like, to say that. I was about yeah. to say that. It's like undergrad is way broader. Yeah. You know, if you if you're applying to this because you have you have given some thought on on, and you have realized that's that's what you want to do. So, yeah. stress the process. And I think honestly, for you, like honestly, if there's someone who does like who has their shit together, that's you. And then to, um. 30, 30 minutes a day, it's fine. Like, if you think about it, people work out 30 minutes a day every day. Yeah. So you can do LSATs 30 minutes a day. Yes, like, I think I it's a pretty, it's a pretty realistic, like, it's a pretty realistic schedule. Like, despite the fact that it's strict, it's really realistic. Yeah. In terms of the work burden that you have to go through. Yeah. 
and it'll be worth it'll be worth it so yeah I heard a really good analogy um that was this was about like med school but I think it applies to any thing where you have to do something consistently over like a long period of time where it's like um and the metaphor about med school went like this was like med school is like eating pancakes you have to eat some pancakes every day if you eat one pancake two pancakes every day that's fine and it doesn't feel that bad and like by the end of the week you'll have eaten a lot of pancakes but if you don't eat any pancakes on one day then on the next you have to eat like five or six and that feels really bad and if you keep like not eating pancakes every day they just kind of like they, they pile up and then you can't get through the pancakes anymore yeah that's true that's true not the most not the most elegant analogy i've ever used but definitely a nice one i liked it i think it says a lot about just doing easy to visualize yeah, yeah that's exactly. kind of like my workload right now for my exams <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like i'm looking at the pancake on <laughs> the pancake sack and it's like rising like the empire state building but i just need to go through it like i know that i'll go through it somehow yeah exactly so is it time for the overheard? Yes, it is. I just need to find one because I forgot. <laughs> I have Congrats. some of my sta- I have some of my sta- saves. Yeah, what? did you find it? No. Okay, I'll go on my rant. Um, yes, please. <laughs> like, yo, the weather here, it's been fucking crazy. Like, first of all, the fucking government uplifts restriction. We can fucking finally have semi-normal life by like going to restaurants having dinner out, aperitivo out, theater, movies, etc. And it rains all fucking week. And it has been raining since they uploaded, since they lift restrictions at least three times a week. And like, oh my God. You know, and not just like drizzle rain, like, you know, raining cats and dogs. And, and then like, for example, today it was like super cloudy and super cold. And I've been getting like, you know, that like a sore, like when you have like a sore throat, like you feel like your throat is warm. Because yesterday, for example, it was like 23 degrees, but then at night it started raining. So the temperature dropped to like 12 and I was, and I was only wearing like a dress and a jacket and, and like some shoes. And, and, and so obviously I got cold and then today I woke up with like the sore throat and I'm like, fuck, is it COVID or is it the cold? And then now there's the sun again when it was raining like 10 minutes ago. Is this the UK or is this Italy? Like, obviously. <laughs> You're in England. That's London. Oh my God. Okay, I have the overhead. So this is Overhead New York. It's an Astoria. And it goes like this. Mum, so what did you buy with your dollar fifty? Nine-year-old son. Mother, this is New York. Nothing. <laughs> I read that one it was so funny yeah. it was so funny that's amazing okay well seeing this has been fun if you like this episode please rate us five stars on itunes and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on and please send us voice notes and please follow us on instagram at equally lost podcast and we'll see you next week see you next week bye-bye <laughs> Hey, DJ, 